Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. But Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says now, These are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. So this verse here will connect uh, Genesis, which is also another action-packed, exciting book of the Bible, covers so much of the human history. But um, Genesis uh, now connects here with Exodus. As you remember, because of the... Because of the lack of food, um, Jacob and his sons uh, moved down to Egypt and uh, God had prepared there a man of their own family that was to sustain life and that was Joseph. And not just sustain life, we find um, in the Word of God that uh, they were really blessed um, even in Egypt. We'll see there that they grew and they multiplied there in Egypt. And now Joseph being the prince of Egypt, um, after even after his father's death, and we've studied this, how he showed grace to his brethren and nourished them and comforted them, spake kindly unto them. Why is that? Because Joseph was a God-fearing individual. God, Joseph was a God-fearing man. And, and we find that Joseph's name is in the... Um, in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 11, and those heroes of the faith. And you know what I find interesting is why Joseph was in there. It says in uh, Hebrews 11, verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. And I just find that interesting because of how many really amazing things that Joseph did in his life. I mean, he sustained life for, for not just the nation of Israel, but his family and forgiving, and, but he, he saved a whole Egypt and, and just so many things that he did. But here God puts his name down, and this is the thing that you would think uh, faith pleases God, and this is the thing that pleased the Lord the most about Joseph is that he said, hey, uh, you guys aren't always going to stay here in Egypt. There's coming a day that uh, God had told our father Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15, God had promised to Abraham. God had told... See, God knows everything. <laughs> God knows what's going on, doesn't He? If you go back and study Genesis 15, it's really interesting. God comes to Abraham and says to Abraham, He says, I'm going to uh, bless you. I'm going to give you this land, the land of Canaan. But, He says... Your family, your descendants are going to go into a strange land and there they're going to be enslaved. There they're going to be in bondage. There they're going to see a lot of affliction. And they're going to be there 400 years, the Bible says there in Genesis. And he says this interesting thing, until the iniquity of the Amorites is fulfilled. In other words, when God judges someone, when God comes across and and he sends the nation of Israel out of Egypt and into uh, Canaan's land, and there's whole uh, places that are defeated and destroyed. Uh, God uh, did it in a just way. Uh, there was a, a sin bucket that had to fill up, if you will, until the iniquity was full, 
He said, 400 and some years. God's patient also, isn't he? He was very patient. But he told Abraham that that was going to happen. And then Joseph told his descendants that that's going to happen. One day, you're going to leave out of here. You're going to leave this uh, uh, country of Egypt. And by the way, in the Bible, Egypt being a picture of the world. Right? And so he says, you're going to leave this country and you're going to go into uh, another uh, country. And when you go, don't leave me here. Which is interesting. I mean, he's the prince there of Egypt, the most powerful uh, man there other than Pharaoh. But he says, hey, when you guys leave out of here, don't leave me here in this strange land. Don't leave me here, uh, this place. Take, take me with you. Take uh, my bones with you. And, and, uh, and so as we continue on here in Exodus, uh, look at verse 7. Chapter 1, verse 7. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Let me just stop right there for just a second and say this. Uh, this is kind of a side note. Is uh, you can't just assume, you can't just assume that the next generation is going to know. Um, it is our responsibility as God's people to continue to teach truth and teach the fear of the Lord uh, to the next generation, to our children, uh, to let them know about God and, and teach them about God. And so here this new Pharaoh comes along and he does not know God or he does not know uh, Joseph. And so he begins to persecute and he begins to afflict them even more and more. And look at verse 11. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasured cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve them or to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. And all their service wherein they made them to serve was with rigor. I find it interesting that here, uh, he tries to use uh, worldly wisdom against them. It says um, in verse 10, Let us deal wisely with them, that they multiply and come to pass, that when there falleth out any war, they join their enemies and fight against them. So the Pharaoh tries to use worldly wisdom to, uh, to oppress and to destroy uh, God's people. You know, worldly wisdom doesn't work. Uh, there's a wisdom that's from God and there's a worldly wisdom. You know what Pharaoh should have done? He should have realized that they had from Joseph all the way down through that they were blessed of God. And you know what he should have done? He should have said, I want to know more about this God. I want to know more about their God instead of trying to oppress and to afflict and destroy. Uh, and, and, and I find it interesting that the more that he tried to uh, afflict them, the more that Pharaoh tried to make them weaker and fewer the more that they grew more and mightier. 
That's surprising. The more they grew more and mightier, uh, and God helped them and began to uh, uh, bring them out. By the way, that is what Exodus is about. As we study, as we study the book of Exodus, it is a book of redemption. It is a book of redemption. Yes, it's a book of bondage and slavery and oppression. That's how it starts. But it's more a book about deliverance and redemption as God delivers and redeems His people. Exodus is the way out. It's the way out. Exodus is a going out. And when you think of redemption, you think of a repurchasing captured goods or uh, prisoners from oppression. It's uh, recapturing those that are in the power of captors or deliverance from bondage, distress, or from liability. Do you know what I believe for each and every one of us as Christians? I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that He has made a way out. That He has made a way out of bondage and oppression, not just for salvation, and by the way, we're going to kind of study that through as we go through Exodus looking at the Passover and all these different pictures and types. But not just that He make a way for salvation, but I believe that He makes a way for victory. As we sang this morning, victory in Jesus. That He can give victory over strangleholds, over bondages, over uh, vices that control us, whether it be emotional, mental, or uh, physical things that we are stuck to and bondage to. I believe that through the power and the grace of God, as we surrender ourselves to Him, that He will help us. And He can help us. I think of the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 where it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Thank the Lord for that. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Sometimes we think we are. Sometimes, if you'll be honest, there'll be times in your life. And I, and I, and I actually think it may be a good thing where you come to a place where you say, I can't handle this. I can't go. I can't do this. I can't take this. I can't handle this. Uh, but God can. But God can. He says, uh, uh, not tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. That exodus, that going out, that you may be able to bear. If you're here this morning and you're facing something or going through something, I believe God can make a way. I believe this. I believe God can make a way when it seems there is no way. When it seems that there's not a path, where it seems like there's no good direction, God still can make it possible. He can still give deliverance. He can still give hope. How bad was it in Egypt? How bad was it in Egypt for these people? For the nation of Israel? How bad was it? Well, you know what's interesting is they had been here at this point uh, 400 years when God begins to raise up Moses, you know? And after 400 years of slavery... After four, I mean, when you were born, you know, generations had passed away. The ones that had known what it was like to be free, 400 years of this, uh, you wouldn't even know what it was like to be free. I mean, you wouldn't even know what it was like. You would know something is wrong, right? Inside, you would know this isn't how it's supposed to be. 
that this isn't how, what I was created for. I wasn't created to be treated like this by these other people. I wasn't created to be in this bondage. And there's something in us that even though we were born in sin and we were born in this world and we don't even know what it's like. You know what we don't know what it's like? We don't know what it's like to live in an earth where there is no curse. We don't know what it's like to live in an earth where there is no effects of sin. We all feel the effects of sin, our own and everybody else's, around us. It's there. And we don't even know what it's like. But you know what, deep down inside, there's something. If you've been saved and born again that cries out, Abba, Father, that, that desires holiness, that desires truth, that desires of being completely and totally set free from... And if you're honest, sometimes, you know, the world's bad, I get it. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But there are, if you're honest, there are times where you're just like, God, I want to be set free from me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I just yeah, want to yeah. be set free from me. I'm so tired of struggling with me and my uh, issues and my problems and, and these sort of things. How bad was it? How bad was it? It was bad. It was bad. And I don't even think they realized how bad it was because they'd never seen it good. This generation had never seen the good. Um, here they are. You know what they're doing every day? You know what these poor folks were doing every day? They were working themselves to death to build their enemies' cities. Think about that for a second. They were working themselves to death and working for the wrong side. Now they couldn't help it. I mean, they were in bondage. They, could, they were stuck. They were in it. But let me just say this for just a second. We've got one life to live, and don't spend it working for the wrong side. Don't spend it working just to build cities that aren't going to last. Just to build uh, our kingdoms down here that are not going to last. We have eternity to look forward to. We have a heavenly Father. We've got some spiritual things uh, to look at that are far better than working every day to kill ourselves just to add to His city. Just to add to the one that doesn't even like us. I, I, I'm hoping you're making the connection I'm trying to make here. Is there is a there is an enemy out there that doesn't even like us? Don't serve him. Don't serve him. It was bad. You say how bad was it? Look at verse 15. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives. Which were uh, uh, of which the name of the one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua, and said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. There should just be something about reading those verses that just kind of makes you feel like your blood goes cold kind of just gets sick a little bit thinking how that's as evil as evil can be that's as evil as that's the you know what that is that's the fingerprint of satan himself but the midwives what feared god and did not as the king of egypt commanded them but saved the men children alive you know what that was is a little bit of civil disobedience you know what that is? Refusing to do evil because of the fear of God. Refusing to do evil because of the fear of God. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women. 
for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come unto them. Therefore God dwelt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it gets bad. It gets real bad. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared the Lord, that He made them houses, and Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. I don't know if you're seeing this like I'm seeing this, but the first chapter of the book of Exodus shows that these poor folks are in a bad way. I mean, they are in a bad way. They are in a country where they are not they are not treated right. This is terrible evil that is happening. Um, can you imagine, think of the absolute pain and misery of living in a place where your children would be destroyed? I mean, this is awful. I said this before, but this is the fingerprint of Satan himself throughout human history. Throughout human history, uh, he has attempted to destroy the Jewish people. He's attempted to destroy the line of Christ before he was born. And he has attempted to destroy children. This attack from Egypt on these little babies, throwing them into the river, killing them at birth. If Pharaoh had succeeded, the people of Israel would have been exterminated over a matter of time, over a period of time. And that has been done throughout human history. Uh, That didn't just happen in Egypt. That happened during the Persian Empire, as I mentioned last Sunday evening with uh, Queen Esther and and Ahasuerus declaring that decree that people could go after all of them, men, women, and children, because of that evil man Haman. Uh, But again, I said last week, Haman was just the face of evil. See, you can look around and see uh, different people doing different things. Uh, They're not the problem. They're not the problem. It's evil that's behind that. Satan is behind death. He's behind this killing of children. He's behind killing those innocent ones. Uh, You know that happened at the time of Herod? When Jesus Christ was born? Uh, What did he say? He said, go and kill all the children. Kill all the... Little, little ones. I'm just trying to say that this uh, a killing of children and, and killing of these babies, this is not a new thing. This is in by no way a progressive thing. This is an evil attack that's bring on children that is death. And we as God's people are for life. We are for life. We are for... And, that, and by the way, I'm not going to allow this to become a political thing. Because that's what they would want. That's what the enemy would want. This is not a political This is not. When someone says, oh, you can't get into politics about this. Let me just say, long before politics was involved, this was happening. It's life and death. And it's evil. And just this last week, January 22nd, New York State, Governor Cuomo passed a law that that expands death in a bad, bad way. It is just more of evil trying to oppress what is life? And at the core, it has, I'm not saying anything political. I'm not going one side or the other. At the core, it's evil. It's death. It's bad. And it's in our world today. It's in our world today. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 8, and verse 36. All they that hate me love death. And here's what's happened. 
when you turn away from God and the fear of God and in God we trust, you will go down a path of death and continue to grow in death. And you say, oh, that's scary. That's bad. It's really bad. It is. It is. But let me just say this. There's nothing to fear. We're not people that have to fear. You know what's another interesting thing about Hebrews chapter 11? Is why Moses' parents were in there. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, look at this, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. For you and I as God's people, we don't have to be afraid of the king's commandments. We don't have to even be afraid of evil. The Bible says that uh, 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 be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with what? It's, it's not that we have to fear the dark. It's not that we have to fear the death. It's not that we have to fear the evil. We just embrace the light. Embrace the good. Embrace what is true and what is right in God. And God's plan of redemption for His people was all based around this one thing. Even in the Old Testament. You know what it was based around? It was based around a relationship. It was based around a relationship with Him. Let me say this, and we'll kind of hit this multiple times as we go through Exodus. Redemption, redemption is necessary for relationship with God. Redemption is necessary for relationship with God. Uh, You're in Exodus. Look at look at chapter six and verse six. Chapter six and verse six. Exodus 6 and verse 6. The Bible says, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and will rid you out of their bondage, and will redeem you with a stretched out arm, and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. He he goes on, and I will bring you into the land concerning the uh, the which I did swear to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. You know what he's saying? I want to have a relationship with you. I'm going to take you out of there so that you can be my people and I can be your God. Look at Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. You'll actually hear this, this phrase uh, multiple times at Exodus 8, verse 1. The Bible says, and the, and the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go. What? That, I, that they may serve me. That they may serve me. You know why God has redeemed us from this present evil world over the false gods and, and, and over the lies? So that we can serve Him. So that we can fellowship with Him. So that we can worship Him in spirit and truth away from those bondages and away from those things. Let me just say this. When God redeems us from something, He redeems us to something. So He redeems us, yes, from the world, but not from the world. He didn't redeem them from Egypt just to go and do uh, their own thing and serve themselves. No, He redeemed them from Egypt so that they could go 
and occupy the land that he called them to and serve him. By the way, it was so much better throughout Israel's history when they served God instead of serving themselves or serving anyone else. When they did what they were created to do. What they did when they did what they were redeemed to do. Like you and I. We are redeemed from something, but to something. That is to serve and fellowship with God, the one true God. So let's do a little Bible study now. Hey, you got your Bibles? Turn to Romans. Romans 3. We're going to look at some New Testament Scriptures. Romans chapter 3. Romans 3. Verse 23. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely. I love that word, justified. Justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. Being justified freely by His grace through the what? Redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God did set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Christ our Redeemer. Don't you love that song? Christ our Redeemer. Why? Because He is. He's what redeemed us from this present evil world. He's what redeemed us, yes, from hell to heaven, from us, from uh, uh, death to life. He's the, what redeemed us. And He became our substitute. Exodus. Exodus kind of brings out this next or other doctrine of substitutionary death. In other words, uh, someone else's blood, these lambs' blood were shed in our place. The Lamb of God became our substitute, our way to God. As we study the Passover, Christ, our Passover Lamb. Christ, our Redeemer. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. can in, in the next few weeks a little bit see the big picture of Exodus and then see ourselves in it. Like how bad it was. Um, you know one, one of Israel's one of their big problems uh, was that they didn't remember how bad it was. You know they, they get out there and they start saying we wish we were back in Egypt. And can you imagine you know what's interesting? Is learning about God. By the way, that's what the Bible is about. It's about God. It's not always about us. It's about the I Am. That we find that out. That's in this too. <laughs> Moses said, "Who am I?" And God says, "Doesn't matter. Who you are uh, Moses. I Am. That's, that's what matters, Moses." And so, uh, I just lost my train of thought. I got so much of a study of this Exodus. is pretty good here. Uh, oh, they would get out there and they would start saying, "We wish we were back in Egypt." And here's what you find out about God. And I hate to say it like this to make it small, but I don't know how else to say it. It's like it, it hurts God's feelings. I don't, I don't, it's like He's like, what? All I did for you? All I did for you, and you want to go back there? It's like, it's like you can almost see that. But God's like, no. I, look what I'm giving you. I'm giving you everything. 
so much greater than what you could have ever imagined, and you're not happy with that. That's what, that's what I want us to see is, is God's delivered us, how bad it was, how yeah, bad it would be, and then how good it is and how wonderful it is. And don't forget that. Our Redeemer, Christ, and what He's done. 1 Corinthians 1, and verse 29. He says that no flesh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. What do we give thanks for? What do we give glory for? God. Why? Because He is not just our our wisdom. He's our righteousness. We believe that. Imputed righteousness. We didn't earn it. He gave it. But He's also our sanctification. Meaning He's the one that separates us for His own service. Just as uh, the people of God, as we'll study, went out and they followed the cloud and the fire. We have the Holy Spirit that will lead us and guide us to the right direction, to the right path. We'll do that work of sanctification in our lives as we allow it. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. They're so good. These verses that apply directly to us. Ephesians chapter 1. That Holy Spirit that works. Uh, Remember this from week number 1. Redemption is necessary for relationship. Redemption is necessary for relationship. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Now skip to verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth. I always like to think of this verses in three steps, right? After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed. Now that's two. Uh, let me ask you this question. Does everyone that hear the gospel believe it? No. So you hear the gospel, then you believe it. Ye are what? Here's number three. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What happens? God gives His proof of purchase on us the moment we believe. Look at verse 14. Which is the earnest of our inheritance. You say, how do you know I belong to God? Because I have His Spirit. Sealed me. Indwelled. I have God's Spirit in me. Uh, uh, until the redemption of the purchased possession, until the praise of His glory. God's Spirit in me is my proof of purchase. I heard the gospel. I believed it. And I was sealed with the Holy Spirit. Because of His redemption now, I can be in constant fellowship with God. By the way, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is the problem with starting to study a whole book as you go through. But, 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 but Passover came before the law. I think that's significant. The Passover, the salvation came uh, and brought them people, the people out so that they could have a relationship with God. But the law was given so that the people of God could continue to maintain their fellowship. In other words, the sacrifices and the priesthood and the law was given so that they could maintain that fellowship. You and I today, same thing. We have received Jesus Christ by grace through faith, but now we have Christ Jesus and His Holy Spirit that will convict us of sin and draw us close to Him so that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness. Why? That we can stay in constant fellowship with Him. Turn to Colossians. Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Colossians 1 and verse 12. The Bible says this, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You know what we do when we sing the songs that we sing? Many times, you know what we're doing? We're giving thanks unto the Father that made us possible to be partakers with Him. Part of Him. Who, verse 13, hath delivered us from the power of Egypt. The power of what? Darkness. And hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. In whom we have what? Redemption through His blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. New Testament. Same thing. You know what He wants us to remember? That we've been brought out of the bondage. That we've been brought out of the sin. That we've been brought out of those things. Psalms 107.2 says this. Psalms 107.2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You know what He says? If you've been redeemed, you go ahead and say so. If you were one time in, in darkness and He translated you, then go ahead and say so. If one time you were lost and without God and you were in bondage and you didn't even know how bad the bondage was, then you go ahead and say so. You say, how do you say so? Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus 15. Exodus 15. This is how we're going to close. Exodus 15. Do you know what the people of of God did when they they were brought out? Look at verse 1. The Bible says, Exodus 15, 1, then sang Moses and the children of Israel the song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, who hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and the, his rider at the throne into the sea. The Lord is, this is a song they're singing, the Lord is my strength and, my, and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare Him a habitation. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. This is a song that Moses sang. You know what he's saying to the people? Sing, people, sing. Why? Because God saved us. Sing, people, sing. Why? Because He's redeemed us. Sing, people, sing. Why? Because we were lost and we were in bondage. And our, our, our oppressor hated us and hated our children and only wanted death for us. But God delivered us so that our children could multiply like the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. And we have a promised seed and generation. Why? Because God's our deliverer. You know what Moses' sister did when this all happened? Look at verse... Verse 20, she gets all the women together. Verse 20 and verse 21, Miriam answered them, the women, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath been thrown into the sea. Do you know when Miriam calls the ladies together and says, Ladies, I want you to sing. Ladies, I want you to sing to the Lord. You know what these ladies got to thinking about? They got to thinking about how their husbands used to be out there in those slime pits of Egypt. Making them bricks out of that out of that clay and stuff. And those ladies got to thinking, you know, every time that they were expecting a child and they thought, if it's a boy, he's got no hope. My 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 enemy is gonna deliver, he's gonna destroy this child of mine. 
And when they got out there and they started thinking about God that delivered them, I guarantee you when they began to sing, they sang to the Lord with all their heart. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.